You're listening to War for Idiots, a podcast by idiots for idiots. Streaming. Right. Hey, hey, you know what I'm going to do tomorrow? What are you doing tomorrow? Nothing. COVID. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. It's good. All right. I think we're uh, people are watching, and if they're not, they should be jerks. Right. Let me just start this, and we're on. I'll count down for you if you want. Count me in now. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, podcast listeners from all of around the world, hello, and welcome back to another episode of War for Idiots. It's WFI Friday, and I'm very excited to be here. Uh, As always, we are your hosts. My name is Rich the Vlacus. And I am Mick the, where the F are my show notes? Uh, I am (laughs) Mick the Sullock. What the... And we are indeed the idiots that you've been looking for. And today we shall be talking about grand strategy. And before we go oh, on, grand strategy, grand, grand strategy. strategy. You got to say it, say it like a South Australian. And before we go on, uh, Vlacus is how you say idiot in Cyprus, and Salak is how you say it in Turkey. And the reason why I mention these two countries is because this little humble podcast in both those countries are in the top ten. Top 10 top podcasts, 10. top 10 from last week. Uh, and we have, we have top 10 in Turkey and Cyprus. Uh, our goal that we set three years ago finally has come true. <laughs> We've made it. Have you uh, ever been to Cyprus? Never. I have. I have. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I went must, to the, uh, the British military base there. They must have heard you. Yeah, not allowed back. No, thank you for all our listeners all around the world. Um, and uh, look, uh, we want to thank you for your ongoing support. We have, we are growing, growing and growing and growing, getting more followers, more people are listening. Uh, but as always, we want to grow bigger. We want people, more people to be listening to us. So uh, this is where you, our dear listeners from all around the world, come in. Please tell a friend, share all of our social media, share this episode if you're listening to it. Uh, do what I do, send it to your mum and make her listen to it. Uh, my mum is a big fan of you, Mick. Uh, me, not so much. Um, oh. Comment, join the discussion, get involved, spread the word, but don't spread COVID. That's what you want to make sure you're not spreading. How was your COVID experience going there, Mick? Uh, mate, um, I think I've talked before about how I'm flat out like a lizard drinking with work, which is not necessarily a bad thing because yeah. you know, we need the work. Everyone needs the work right now. Um, but yeah, man, it's... It's getting better. Hey, had had my wedding anniversary uh, yesterday. Congratulations! Uh, yeah, yeah, me and my wife we went out to the deck uh, for a night, <laughs> and then actually we came inside because we live in Canberra. It's really oh, cold. Cold. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, we did pretty much everything we've done every other night um, whilst on COVID, except you know what? So yeah, it's great. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Well, that's a little bit too much detail. <laughs> um, no, uh, that's great. She doesn't watch the show. I'll be fine. <laughs> Well, before we start this episode, we just want to take this opportunity to thank uh, our sponsor for this episode, and that is Good To Go Gear, G2G. Now, Good To Go Gear is an Australian veteran-owned business that has been supporting customers for over a decade. Whether it's military, camping, adventure, workwear, or first aid, they have a wide range that is ready to be shipped directly to you. Yeah, like this. Like the utility belt that Mick is currently wearing uh, and looks exactly like Rambo. Oh, it's, it's not a bandolier. <laughs> so what you need I to do... I've been out too long. <laughs> what you need to do is check out their catalogue at www.goodtogogear.com.au and get the best gear that is G2G. Now, they offer a 30-day 100% satisfaction guarantee and ship to both Australia and the US of A. So what are you waiting for? Go and check out Good To Go Gear. That's G2G Gear, gear that is truly good to go. And Mick, I can't help but notice you are wearing your Good To Go long sleeve blue uh, t-shirt. Yeah, uh, I love it. Hey, uh, and the good thing is like they don't keep in odors because I haven't taken it off. Great, that's good. Too much detail again. Um, and I, I am sporting one of the brown short sleeve undershirts. 
for every person that serves in the military knows the importance of having a good quality brown undershirt, the yep. shirt that takes most of the brunt when you're trying yep. to extend your uniform. Look at your out. guns, man. That that's a that's the pull your guns up. Show us your guns. No, I can't. Like no, that's no, just no, proof no, of how no, strong no, the material no. is to be able to take those guns. For those people who listen to the show and don't watch it, Rich is a monster. Yeah, a uh, monster, a monster pie eater. I love eating <laughs> my pies. But look. <laughs> Um, so these t-shirts are available. Uh, the guys at Gucci Gear uh, let me know today that with every t-shirt purchased uh, at the moment, they've got an offer that you will also get a free hat from them as well. Um, oh. I'm not sure what else you could want besides a hat and a t-shirt. That's pretty much Goodbye. Me. Um, and so I went on the website, uh, having a quick look before the episode, this brown t-shirt, how, how much percent off do you think it is? How much percent off without reading the show notes? Uh, well, one, I don't. Just read them. <laughs> There's no danger. Let's go 30% off. 64% off these t shirts at the moment. So, really? Yeah, absolutely crazy. And, and a lot of that's because they're um, just loving the show, right? They're loving the show. Uh, look, they're great sponsors. Um, and uh, get on and get the gear. I love, I love being able to this, have this, this, these clothes. I love working out of them and I love using them for what I do. So, oh, man. Like I say, GTG, you're good to go. All the time. I literally say it to my kids today. Time. <laughs> All the time. So it's good, because, uh, it's a good branding option because now everyone is speaking it. That's it. So what are we talking about today, Mitt? Uh, we're talking about good to go gear shirts. <laughs> talking about uh, me... me uh, Dealing with COVID uh, poorly. Oh, how are you doing with your COVID? You doing good with your COVID? Yeah. Look, everything's going fine. Um, working from home now and then, doing this podcast, uh, doing other things. A lot of time with family, a lot of homeschooling stuff. So, look, as I said, uh, as I said a few weeks ago, um, COVID is going to hit you one or two ways. Slight inconvenience or it's really going to knock you out of the park because... Uh, the economics of what you do every day, small businesses, stuff like that are really going to hurt. You know, I'm very lucky that, uh, that I can keep doing what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm, I cannot complain. Everything is, a, is in a really good place. That's good. Hey, so today I think we're talking about a topic we've covered. Well, we haven't covered it in a different way previously. So it's good right. to cover it from this angle. It's, uh, it's grand strategy. Right. So something that has gathered a lot of attention and people are sort of wondering why we wanted to talk about this. And, and the reason why we wanted to talk about this was COVID, right? But we didn't want to make COVID the main topic of what we're talking about because everyone's talking about it. Because uh, of, but it, of COVID, not because you've got COVID. Like, well, because apparently... health is not telling you to do this. I'm not a doctor, but I think if you talk about it too much, you may get it. So the reason why, the reason why we're talking about it is because COVID has done a very strange thing to the world, right? So... Uh, there, there's been many things. It's it left it in the eye. <laughs> right. So there's been many things that have happened to the world. Um, but this one is peculiar that, that gives us a focus that we wanted to talk about grand strategy. Yeah. Um, because COVID has really knocked every single country back to, back to almost, back to, it's almost reset everything, back to start yeah. again. You know what I mean? Now, everyone's start is going to be at varying levels. But yeah, even to the point where Western Australia is looking at seceding from Australia, like, Federation's coming up done. There you go. There you go. But it's really forced everyone to just stop and take account of what is most important to them as a state, as a nation at this point in time. And I don't think this has happened before in history. Now, there's been world wars um, and this affected many people in the world, but never has every single country in the world been affected at the one time by the same thing. Right. And so that's forced everyone to sort of stop and look and, and take an account. And everyone is starting to ask, okay, well, what's the next step from here? And when you're talking about what's the next step from here, you stop and look back and think, well, why were we going in this direction in the first place? What oh. were we doing? What oh. was our strategy? Oh. Right. So the next table. No, no. Not the dumpster. So, no, no, it's not the dubstep. It's not the dubsteps. So this is, this is what's led us to talk about strategy and grand strategy because it's getting up because a lot of people are starting to talk about it now. What are we doing from here? Okay, schools are closed. Why are they closed? Because of the economy. Well, what's the deal with China? Well, China's doing this. Well, what do you mean they're doing that? And everyone's thinking, well, what, do you, what has this country been trying to do? What has that country been trying to do? So I think it's a, a great time to take a refreshing look at uh, this word strategy and in particular, the concept of grand strategy. I don't know if we did grand strategy last time. We might have. 
I don't know. I don't know. But look, I, mean, I wanted to. Honest, I didn't listen to the show, so I have no doubt you didn't watch the weather. But look, I think we should start with the word strategy, okay? Um, and now the history of strategy uh, extends pretty far back. But to be quite honest with you, you don't need to go further back than the 9th of June, two thousand and seventeen. Probably, because, probably far enough. I'd imagine. Far enough because something, far. something amazing happened on the 9th of June, two thousand seventeen. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what it was? I definitely do because it's in front of me. But to be honest, I would have remembered this anyway. So on the 9th of June, 2017, we released our episode on strategy during season one of War for Idiots, where we covered, I would like to think, pretty much everything you could cover about the word strategy. It's not a very dense topic. Um, and pretty I think, I think we did a pretty good job. So if you we were don't, studying it at the time. Too. We were studying it. So, I mean, what, what more could you want? right? So it is an amazing 33 minutes. I highly recommend you go back and do, do a refresher on it. But, I don't think you'll learn anything. <laughs> but it all starts with this word strategy, okay? And it's a word that has been the foundation of countless PhDs, no doubt millions of debates that you have been in, arguments, and, and you know, some would say uh, misused. Council like, like a third of my bookcase. There you go. Just, uh, and, and, and it's... None of them, none of them say the same thing, which is infuriating, right? Because then I could just have one book, maybe a big book called Strategy or History, that would do. So the, do you remember, give us, a, give us a history of strategy. A history of strategy? Do you want me to go the history of strategy off the show notes or do you want me oh, to make shit up? You don't do what I say anyway, so just, just do, do what comes naturally. Look, we've got some show notes here, but um, we talk about uh, strategy comes from the Greek word um, strategos, which is like the, you know, the, um, the general uh, strategia was what the general did. Um, and it was, it was kind of a high level plan. Now, when we're talking about uh, Greek generals, and this is like ancient Greece. So like um, Thucydides, or as how some people in Australia like to call him, Thucydides, um, <laughs> he... He, he wrote this book um, claiming to be a history of the war um, called The History of the Peloponnesian War. We've talked about this before. Oh, quick shout out to the Australian School Logistics Operations uh, Logistics Officers Basic Course for 2020, doing some work with them at the moment um, through Discover, Create, Learn. Great people. Had to listen to me talk about Thucydides the other day. Single laugh, but great, very impressive uh, young lieutenants. Anyway, um, so, so that's where the word strategy comes from. And it, as you go throughout history, it, it kind of evolved in its meaning. Now, um, one of the early works was a Byzantine work or a, or a Byzantine Roman work. Um, I think it was called the Strategicon, maybe, or that could be Evil Dead, Army um, of Darkness. <laughs> but, um, you know, that, it was written by a very popular general then. Um, I think he competed for the throne and, and may have um, got his nose slit. I'm not sure if he did. If you know about Byzantine history, it's it's pretty bad right but as as you go along strategy has taken on lots of different meanings to different people right um yeah. and even even old carl carl von Clausewitz, uh big carl that, himself. That, sorry. sorry oh my god <laughs> i knew this was too good to last <laughs> um and uh, even he wrote about it in a different way to his contemporaries right so you know there's minor tactics and then there's 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 high level tactics yeah. which would have been called strategy in the past um well, there you go. Wait, so this, wait, this is why, we didn't this even is why, talk about the crown prince. No, this is why I threw to you because I knew I knew I could get you talking that strategy for literally hours because you've been studying yeah. it for a lot, long, a lot longer than I have. I haven't even, I haven't even got past the, the historiography yet. We've got, <laughs> we got to get to Sir Lawrence Friedman's book. Good friend of uh, good friend of mine, Sir Lawrence Friedman, uh, did come on the other podcast that you know takes its basis from that Prussian dude you've never heard of. Yeah. Um, but I guess if we were to sum it up, uh, I'll throw to you, Richie. Um, you know, Look, yeah. ways, means, and ends. I like to say ways, ends, and means. And you've got, oh, you. I've mixed up, mixed up so many times. You are so tricky. My brain's going to, I'm going to shut down. So this is why I threw to you for an introduction <laughs> to the word, because you know a lot more about it than I do. But look, a really great introduction. So this word has, has, has been there from the very start. And you can look at this word um, from the ancient Greeks. And I think one of the earliest descriptions of what people would, would could label um, as a, a good strategic story is Thucydides that you yeah, talked right. about before, right? Um, now, uh, uh, do you remember what happened on the 26th of May, 2017? 
Mate, I remember it almost as well as I remember the 9th of June, 2017. Uh, and right. why? Because I've actually used a, an anecdote from that particular episode recording where you ambushed me with the world's strangest analogy. Yeah, oh God. Uh, I'm, I'm actually quite embarrassed about that. Let's not ruin it. Go yeah. back, listen to the episode. Do yourself a favour. It's pretty strange. But yeah, listen to um, the discussion Richie makes and now I you <laughs> the Thucydides trap. So Graham Allison writes a really big book on the Thucydides trap, gets smashed and all this sort of stuff. Richie comes up with the world's most strangest, strangest, strangest yeah. um, analogy for the Thucydides yeah. trap. You're welcome. And, and it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect That's sense. probably the most infuriating part about yeah. it. <laughs> genius. I'm a stupid genius. Um, and I'm really glad you mentioned uh, the book Strategy by Sir Lawrence Friedman. That book is amazing. If, if, you, have is amazing. Any, if you have any interest in this word strategy um, and you want more words than you could possibly ever read, <laughs> then get this book. Um, what I loved about it is it didn't talk about military strategy that much. You know what I mean? Oh. I expected... I expected the whole book was going to be about military strategy. Because he's and a military historian for people who don't know. Exactly. But the, the, the things that grabbed me were, he talked about the strategy of religion. He talked about the strategy of Jesus. He talked about the strategy of... No one grabbed me while I was reading the book. That happened. <laughs> he, you should tell he someone talk, about that. He talked about the evolution of political strategy. It, it, you know, utilised this Henry Ford. word. Henry Ford. Yeah, exactly. Utilising this word King. in so many different ways. An amazing book. I highly recommend if you want to look at strategy, um, you, you go for it there. And big, Mick, big book though, don't fall asleep with it on. I did. I, <laughs> could die. And I, I hurt myself. I, I hurt my nose. You can probably see it doesn't bend the right way. Um, so get the audio book because I also did that after I'd, yeah, bang, not good. But, but as Mick sort of summed it up, if you want to really simply explain strategy, it's generally defined, and, and this is very general. Please don't don't crucify me for trying to define a word that people have tried to define for thousands of years. But it's, 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 bro it's broken up into three component parts, if you will. Okay, ways, means, and ends. Ends, means, and ways. Ways, ends, means, whatever order you want to. It's three component parts. Okay, um, means. When we say the means that lead into a strategy, we're talking about the resources to achieve something in a military sense, the troops, the weapon, the money, time, political will, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Those are the means that enter a strategy. The ways are defined as the method to achieve it. Tactics, techniques, procedures, strategies, um, and then under that, subordinate strategies for maneuver and war and stuff like that. So those are the methods. And then finally, the ends are defined as the strategic outcomes. What do you want to achieve? And often strategy is described as putting these three things together. Well, with these means, we want to utilize these ways to achieve these ends. So it's really, you know, a, 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 a design, a way to describe uh, a way forward for a nation um, in the sense of strategy that we're talking about now. But as Mick sort of described, it started off as kind of like warfare, very yeah, much warfare. Like lower level, like we would call almost tactics or operations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to use my artillery here to bombard there while this happens there. Sorry, it's my artillery. Sorry, your artillery. Um, but now when we talk about strategy, or when some people talk about strategy, it's about the strategy of the state, the strategy of the nation. Where is it going to do? How is it, what is it wanting to do with the resources and to what end are they achieving it? And the problem, I think, talking about strategies, because I said, hey, Nick, what's strategy? And you're like, oh, ways, men, zines, easy. This three words, I'm done. It makes it sound so simple. But easy. Mate, it is. Strategy is easy. This is what I want to achieve. This is what I've got to achieve it. And this is how to use those to achieve it. It and, is and bloody easy. And the problem is, you, the is in strategy. The problem is people. Right. So I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in strategy. Um, oh, well, you know, oh, in fact, I'll show you my business card. Yeah, yeah. Strategist, Mick Cook, there you go. All right, well, that's the end of the episode because we're never going to top that. No, look, I, I'm no, not an expert. I'm not much over that, but no, you're right. It is but, a bloody hard thing to achieve. So, so when I first heard of this concept, I was like, yes, yes. We need Australia need to understand the resources we have, how we're going to achieve that end state to better us as a nation. And I was, I was like... Someone needs to get all the politicians. They need to learn about this word strategy. You know what I mean? Someone needs to grip them up. No more arguing in Parliament House. If only they knew it was as simple as this, 
one plus one equals two, you know, let's go forward and do this. But the reality, I think, especially in this hyper-globalized world that we have, is that strategy is not as simple as ways, means, and ends, um, as it may have been uh, a while ago. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think strategy used to be easy and it's only now gotten hard. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Look, I think, um, you know, the, you know, someone said something about friction and chaos and yeah. chance and fog of war and all that sort of stuff. Some guy that you've never heard of. Um, but, you know, like anything we talk about on here, um, people make it hard, right? So, yeah. you talked about the politicians, right? You know, get them in a room, teach them about strategy, and they'll sit there and go, oh, this is the way to do it. But then we've got to take into the effect of each of the different political agendas that a politician has inside their party, outside their party, what their staff have, what advice is being provided to decision makers, how that's influenced by personal bias. Like I think humans are exactly. you know, one of the biggest things that throws spanner in the works of strategy, um, which is good because once the uh, our robotic overlords take over, as we mm. did in, our, in, in one of our return episodes, yep. um, we'll be fine, right? Because they'll be able to just follow like a logic, like a logic bomb. Let's, let's, I'm going to dig dive. I'm going to dig dive something that you just talked about then. And that, really? is, that, is, that is the people, the, the, the people in strategy. And, well, you know, it's almost like, uh, like people, government and military come together to form. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, <laughs> so one of the things that um, Lawrence Friedman talks about in his book is this concept of business strategy and how, you know, if you type in strategy now into Google, you will be flooded not with, historical case studies, not with contemporary statecraft, you'll be flooded with the business world. Business world has adopted the word strategy um, to, to the nth degree. And having done uh, studies in business, I can tell you, you know, my first object I did was business strategy, how to do a strategy for business. And when, when you're doing a business strategy, it, it's, it's quite easy because the ends are always the same. Then the first thing you learn when you're learning about business is the aim of every business is to make money. And I, I remember reading, I was just like, well, shouldn't it be to better the world or to, to recycle it? No, no, no. It is about making money because you are in business. With that money, you can better the world, but you've got to make the money to do it. Exactly right. So that is the, always the end. So it's quite simple from a business perspective. Well, that our end is to make money. How Increase are we going to, how are we going to get to making more money using our ways and means to get to that ends of making the money? And then I'd like you to use your means in my ways to get to my end. <laughs> That's even better. If you can do that with a strategy, use someone else's means in, in a way that you choose to achieve your own end. That's even yeah, better. Yeah. That's better strategy. So my, my, my ends, my way, <laughs> your means. That's the best. That's the epitome That's the of best strategy. strategy. That's the best strategy. So this is why someone like Trump is really interesting to me. A businessman, uh, a tycoon who came from that background, who has come into politics um, and is leading, you know, arguably one of the most powerful nations in the world. Now, this let me... In the world, uh, I, I will suggest, but like, let's, when we say business tycoons, yeah, we can say that. Let's just, let's just make an agreement now. We're not going to call him like a genius businessman because... No, no, I'm not going to say, I'm not gonna say we that. We know where his money that. came from. We know how much that. money... Um, I'm not going to say he's that. president for reasons. Good. Okay, let's go. So <laughs> let's look at make it, make America great again. Okay, and, I, and I'm going to hold judgment. I'm not going to make fun of Trump. I'm just going to talk about this as a, as a case study. Okay, let's I'm assume that this. Let's assume that this is his strategic ends. Now, should his ends make America great again? Should he have first started with the objectives he wants to achieve? Okay, and then in aggregation put it together and to say, hey, by doing one, two, three, four, we're going to get to this, which is going to be make America great again. Or does he start it the other way around? What's our first objective? Well, we want to do this. We want to do this. We want to do this. Well, when you add all that together, that equals making America great again. And this is a really confusing thing that I sort of stumbled across in the Harvard Business Review. And this is one of the myths that they say exists with strategy, that it doesn't really exist because you're trying to make a formula that sometimes is applied backwards, sometimes is applied forwards. That when you look at someone like Trump, at the end of the day, when he's aiming for just, you know, his background was making money, you put him into a situation where he's now coming up with strategy for something where the, old, the goal is not making money, you get an extremely polarizing character in which the formation of strategy can be incredibly complex and sometimes absolutely backwards from how it was done in the business world. And he's an idiot and anyone who voted for him is an idiot. <laughs> 
good, good. Um, and I, I just thought that was really fascinating. It's a real chicken or the egg question, I think. You know, when we talk about ways, means and uh, ways, means and ends, you know, we're like, okay, we have these means. Here are the ways to get to those ends. What if the ways are the ends? What, what, but what, which what? one do you come up? What, which one do you come up with first when you're talking about statecraft? Do you first know where you want to go, decide that, and then make a plan, or do you just look at the cards you have and just go, "Hey, we can only go in this direction. Let's set a plan uh, of where we're going to be going." Based what if, off what if the only going. ways you have preclude you from achieving the end? Yeah, what? yeah. Like, what yeah. if you know you've, you you want to achieve this, but you've only got this, and you can only use these in so many ways? Like, well, I guess you you're screwed, right? So. You probably won't need to go in too deep into that. You can't achieve your goal. But, um, you know, it's interesting you talk about, you know, business uh, aspects and then going into statecraft because, you know, I showed up my business card. So for those people that don't know, that's my business card for my strategic communications advising role. Um, now, I use the term strategist because mm. of what we discussed before. Mm. It means different things to different people, right? So when I am talking to people and I... I'm, I don't necessarily have a complete feel of what they're looking for in it in terms of a, a public relations, a communications, a, a branding or a marketing campaign. Um, they tend to have an idea of what a strategist means yeah. based on how they perceive it. Um, and that uh, makes it an in, but people who are in the military and I, I've copped a bit on uh, social media from former colleagues. Um, they don't like anyone outside the military using the term strategy or strategist. Yeah. Um, but my argument is if you are, if you, your strategy is about planning, right? Um, so it's one of my, one of my strategic ways of, of achieving, uh, a little bit of, um, rapport with the customer straight up because either they know what it means or they, ha or they think they know what it means and they build upon that or they ask you, Hey, what's that? And I'm like, well, yeah, I just yeah. find out what your objectives are and how we can get there. Exactly. And it's, it's such a universal word now that can yeah. be applied for anything, you know, and you know, what I love about uh, Lawrence Friedman's book is he talks about the subordination of strategies. We have a grand strategy under that. We have an economic strategy. We have an international strategy. We have a domestic strategy, all these strategies and yeah, strategies. Of the strategy. you, talk, you talk, you know, Hugh Strong, uh, also um, good, good mate. Um, and by good, probably haven't spoken to him about three or four years and spoke to him once in my life. But um Hugh Strom, where it's his of the opposite opinion that strategy, uh, it's, it's, it's been watered down. So, you know, the idea that words have power, you use them too much and too broadly, they lose their power. Um, so now strategy being taken out of a military context over, you know, and as we've pointed out, this, this has happened over, over thousands of years. This word has uh, diluted its meaning. And some people believe that is a bad thing. But if you dilute fluoride in a water uh, supply for a population, they get better teeth and bones so yeah, that could be a good thing strategy could be the new fluoride um bet you didn't think we'll be talking about that this episode. well there we go this is why i should read the show notes and understand what we're talking about but um yeah he he, he he's of the opposite opinion right like there is no such thing as diluting the strategy in the direction of war he's pretty clear strategy means this um yeah yeah it's kind of yeah i, I guess today the response to that would be okay boomer but i'm not going to say it um and then the other aspect I want to talk about is strategy formation based off politics and governments. And this is where I was like, get all the politicians in here. They need to learn about ways, means and ends. Right. Um, and it got me thinking about it because I was reading as I, I've been talking about it for a while. It's a really big book. Um, Malcolm Turbill's book. Yeah, um, and it, and it, about it on this show. Maybe? Uh, yeah. 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 And, and it's, it's fascinating because he talks about his uh, meeting of Trump and his meeting of Xi Jinping, uh, the, yeah, yeah. the leader of the Communist Party in China, um, and the differentiation between the two. And, and it's fascinating. And we're going to talk about Trump and Xi Jinping, America and China, uh, when we talk about grand strategy. But what's interesting is he talks about the politics. Um, you know, Trump won on this concept of make America great again. Um, he was going to uh, utilize, you know, the vast majority of American people voted for him because he said, I was going to make America great again. Um, and they said, hey, this is a big property tycoon. He's had successes in the private industry. He's a businessman. He will use this to, to make us win. Okay? Sim simplifying it. But that's why he was elected. And then he's been going to doing what he's doing. I mean, it worked and, and, um, right? Like, you know, bringing in McNamara uh, <laughs> and that administration works for... And Malcolm Turnbull describes his first meeting with Chinese officials. And, and they were talking about democracy in this book. And they were talking about how absurd it was that the leader would be someone that the people choose. 
because they're saying, why would the people have a choice in who's going to lead the country? <laughs> why not? Why not just have the person who's best qualified to lead the country because they have proven that they can lead at the local, provisional, governmental, and then to lead the entire state, surely they must be the best person to lead. And then they used uh, Xi Jinping, a successful political leader who has risen up through the ranks, um, but is now the leader of China. And I just thought it was a really interesting sort of concept. It's like, you're right. When you talk about democracy versus communism, how the people vote their leaders, the leaders who develop those strategies, you, you can't help but be swayed by how they became leaders is going to affect the strategies they formulate. And I think we're going to see some of that when we talk about the grand strategy in just one minute. Okay. Now, yep. No, I started counting down for you. <laughs> Good. Now, before we do uh, move on to grand strategy, I just want to send a bit of love to our newest sponsor for WFI. And that is Extra Specialist Group. I can't wait to tell you about these guys. You've got since, some awesome. Since 2017, really cool. since 2017, Extra Specialists have been connecting Australian veterans to the entertainment industry. Through consultancy, agency, productions and training, Extra Specialists have been changing the face of television and movies, putting those who have served onto the big screen and into your homes. They have worked with Marvel, Touchstone, Netflix, Stan, and many more. Extra Specialist is the place to go if you want to get into this industry. So if you have extra specialist skills or you want to learn some, then reach out to the Extra Specialist group and get started now. Check out the website at www.extraspecialist.com. You're not signing up. There's someone signing up. There's nothing cooler. I want to be in a movie. I want to be in the next Marvel movie. I want to be in a movie. Mate, I, I, well, uh, I wonder if they're going to do a DC film. I don't know if I'm going to <laughs> Look, these guys are cool. Lots of my friends have signed up. The Snyder Cut, the, the Snyder Cut of the Justice League is being released. So for oh. those people that don't know, um, the Justice League, the reason that it wasn't as good as everyone expected was because uh, Zack Snyder had to take some personal leave for a family tragedy. Um, heart goes out to him. Um, and... Um, Josh, Josh, Josh Whedon took over. Uh, he turned what had already been filmed for 214 minutes, added 80 minutes of extra script, then cut it down to 120 minutes, keeping all of his own 80 minutes and took out like heaps of, I suppose, the continuity. And so uh, there's been this big thing. Jason Momoa has been going on and on his Instagram, release the Snyder Cut. Uh, he's been using more F words than I ever use on this show. Mm. I heard it's coming out. So... Uh, Basically, what I'm saying is hopefully Extra Specialists can get me into the next movie. Um, I'm going to click on it. And you finish the show. I'm going to sign up. So I've seen a lot of stuff that Extra Specialists uh, have done. A lot of friends of mine yeah. have signed up. Uh, they've been on shows here and there. Check them out. They're really cool. Um, and they've got a really cool backstory supporting veterans uh, and supporting veteran businesses. So we've had a couple of good questions come up on YouTube. Um, I really like one from Josh. So he writes... John, you're gonna, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong. John. Oh, is this a John Gaddis question? John Gaddis, yeah. Do we really so want to get to John Gaddis? Oh, it's a big book. I haven't read it. Have you read it? No, 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 no. Uh, but look, uh, let, let's Josh, just do the comment. Answer your question, Josh. Go away. John Gaddis writes an interesting take on strategy through the lens of hedgehog versus fox thinking. Hedgehogs see one big idea. Foxes see lots of interacting parts. Is one better than the other? I really like this question because we're about to get into this. Um, is strategy indeed planning the flag and planning the way that you're going to get to that? Or is strategy getting the bits apart, doing this, doing that, doing that, doing that? And then when you add it all together, you can see a consistency in that that aggregates into a coherent strategy. Um, yeah, this is a question that's been asked. So why are we answering his? Which one would get us bet on? Uh, I'm not answering the question. I just thought it was really cool. Um, Josh, answer the question. Uh, and the uh, the comment there from Luke about um, the roles of strategy, education, culture, informing strategy. Uh, one suspects the people who confine strategy to the military don't suffer from local government issues taken in ad hoc approaches. Uh, one suspects you're wrong, uh, Luke. I imagine that nearly everyone experiences local government issues uh, taking an ad hoc approach because I think that's actually because of humans um, and... I think that the people who tend to focus on strategy being confined to the military tend to spend a fair bit of time either studying the military or serving in the military. 
and are not exposed to other ways that strategy may be applied. I think it's uh, more of a, a inexperience as opposed to um, any issues with local government. Because I tell you what, if you've got a local government, you've got local government issues. I'm yeah, not yeah, an activist. And, and, you know, this word strategy, at the end of the day, you can have, let's say you can have a good strategic approach or you can have a good strategy or your, your state could be going in the right direction without even knowing what the word strategy is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, how many people say the term strategic approach? It's one of those biggest bullshit buzzwords ever, right? Uh, people go, I want a strategic approach to this. Like, what do you mean? Well, we're going to plan what we're doing. Okay, it's, well, it's kind of strategic, but, but maybe it's just good to plan out what you want to achieve anyway. And that's it. And then people are saying, well, what is their strategy? What is their strategy? It's like, well, well, what do you want their strategy to be? Do you want it to be on a piece of parchment paper that's nailed to the wall and be like, yes, that, yeah. that on that paper is now our strategy. That or is it, a shared, is it a shared vision knowing yeah. that's what you need to aim for? Yeah. Or, you know, do you need a strategy for everything? I actually need new tea bags, right? Like uh, I didn't check before the shops closed. So I'm yeah, running slow exactly. tonight. Um, mate, do I need to come up with a strategy on how I'm going to achieve tea? Definitely. Definitely. Or do I just need the broader vision? This family needs me to be caffeinated by a team. <laughs> okay. So let's, that's a great segue. Um, this master is segue. This is actual content. <laughs> we're now going to, we're now going to talk about grand strategy. So that was a, a bit of an introduction to the word strategy. It's strategy. I think it's uh, pronounced uh, strategy El Grande. <laughs> okay. So if we accept Okay, for the sake of moving forward, that strategy in its most simple and purest form is a framework to categorize thoughts and ideas to map a plan for the future using the concept of ends, means, and ways. What is Grand Strategy Mick? What is Grand Strategy Mick? Yep. Oh, yeah, man. What is Grand Strategy Mick? So for me, do you want me to read the definition? No, no, just, just come up. No, just come up with it. All right, cool. Well, uh, I'm going to say, mate, to me, at its best, uh, then grand strategy represents maybe an integrated scheme of interests, threats, resources, and policies. Uh, now you're reading. Now you're reading. Good. <laughs> I'm not, man. This is you said come off the top of my head. The <laughs> framework that, mate, that's uh, from Hal Brands. Look, I love Hal Brands' book um, on strategy. It's uh, what is it? What is grand strategy anyway? I think it's the name what of the book. Is, uh, what, what good what, is what, grand strategy? Yeah, that's right. And. And, you know, this definition, I think we may have even talked about this in our last episode of it. Yeah. Let me, let me break like, this down. I like that definition. Um, let me break this down. So, so I stumbled across uh, this young lady that wrote for the Texas National Security Review. Oh, yeah. Um, they tried to um, War on the Rocks. Big shout out to Ryan Evans at War on the Rocks. Uh, yeah. They're, they're all combined now, these guys. Excellent. That's right. Yeah. So she, and she put together a whole bunch of strat- uh, a whole bunch of definitions of grand strategy and then offers her own. So I'll go through them now. So... Okay. Excellent. Uh, Good time to oh yawn. That yawns for Alyssa. I know she loves it when I yawn. On the, show. <laughs> the first is from uh, Paul Kennedy and draws on earlier work from Edward Mead Earl and Basil Little Hart, uh, Little Hart to contend. The crux of grand strategy lies, therefore, in policy. That is, in the capacity of the nation's leaders to bring together all of the elements, both military and non-military, for the preservation and enhancement of the nation's long-term that is in wartime and peacetime's best interests. And this ties back to the question that we had on the YouTube. Well, do you pin together all the policy pieces, you know, see it like the hedgehog, I think it was, where everything added together equals strategy, or is it like the fox where, no, no, this is the strategy, now formulate the policy to get me there. What comes first, chicken or the egg kind of question, which I think is really interesting. And then you mentioned Hal Brand, one of my most favorite authors, the first person that I really read to, to introduce myself to this word of strategy. Um, and he writes, my, this is my favorite definition. At its best, then, a grand strategy represents an integrated scheme of interests, threats, resources, and policies. It is the conceptual framework that helps nations determine where they want to go and how they ought to get there. It is the theory or logic that guides leaders seeking security in a complex and insecure world. I think it's great. I think it describes the journeys that states want to make. Um, and I think it talks about, you know, some of the, th- the things that you need to take into account. What are your interests beyond just military, economic as well, um, diplomatic, all that sorts of stuff. What are your threats? What resources do you have? And what are your current policies? I think when you put those four things together, you start oh. to get a real contemporary Look at what strategy could be. I thought you were asking me what my policies were. No, no. 
Because you know what, mate? I'm just like the Australian government. I don't have any. <laughs> um, and then uh, she goes on. Nina uh, Solo. Oh, that was funny, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, go, Rich. Argues. Long-term in its vision, holistic in its treatment of all instruments of national power, and important in its focus on the most consequential interests is what they would define as grand strategy. So, really... Are we, are, we ta- are, we, are we talking anything very different to strategy of what we've been talking about before? No, I think it's just a combination, right? It's just a yeah. combination of uh, elements of national power is kind of what right. we're about, right? So, so those, people that, those people, and you know, Luke, um, thanks for talking about it on here, uh, on the YouTube account, on the live chat, for those listening, we do a live chat with our, our listeners. It looks like Richie's been quite rude to them, whereas I'm quite polite. Um, but, <laughs> That's um, not true. That's not true. Um, you know, it's... It's if you've got a narrow focus, what strategy is, you're really going to struggle to understand grand strategy. And you might say there's no such thing as grand strategy in, in that case. You might say it's just politics. But grand strategy, uh, based on all those definitions, the common denominator in those definitions is that you're using multiple elements of national power to achieve a, to, to achieve a vision that can only be accomplished if all of those elements of national power are working towards that. And I think, and, and I think, this is why the word "grand" has been introduced because the word "strategy" has been so diluted. Economic strategy, this strategy, that strategy, that strategy. Yes, Nick. But what is this country's grand strategy? Well, okay, you know, it is this. Here is what we're here is what we're doing. And, and I mean, in Australia, we've got some documents you can use that can you can read to build up to understand the grand strategy. But there's no grand strategy. So if you read right. the defence white paper 2016, you read the foreign affairs. A white paper, I think that was 2018 or 19. Um, you know, Google it, don't trust me. Um, there are two documents you can read. Uh, and from that, you can get a fair understanding of Australia's grand strategy that is outward focusing, right? Like you won't understand what's happening within terms of education and all that sort of stuff within the country. But you can kind of get a feel for where Australia sees itself in the world and in interacting with its, its neighbours and allies. Right, and, and that's a really good point. So this is why we wanted to talk about this topic in the very first place. And, and we've gotten there 41 minutes into the conversation. Um, people come here for the journey? Not we, the get there. we get there eventually. COVID has forced everyone to relook really at their grand strategy, if one even exists. What do their policies in aggregation mean? What do their policies support? What is their grand strategy? And as you said, where is their place in the world? Now, you know, in October 2019, I think most countries knew their place in the world or knew where they wanted to be in the world. But that's, been, that's all been reset because of COVID. But one thing that hasn't been reset is that we live in a very different world than we did, say, 20 years ago. The, the, the stage of no, grand no, strategy... No, no, Richie, we both lived in Canberra 20 years ago. That's true. But the, 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 the stage of grand strategy has changed oh. because we are no longer in a single polar world or in a bipolar world we are in a multipolar world yeah. and there is tension and yeah, i think COVID, polar world again covid has has sort of just tightened the screw on what is people's what our nation's grand strategies going to be and as i was looking at this and and you will find a plethora of information details opinions right. about what poll is, uh, you know, who is winning? Is China going to win? Is America going to win? Is Russia going to come in? Is India going to be the next superpower? There's a lot out there at this point in time. Um, and I stumbled across the theory of hegemonic stability, which I think ties into a grand strategy very well. Have, have you heard oh. of the theory of hegemonic stability? Yeah, yeah I can... Uh... <laughs> It kind of makes sense when you hear the, the title. It makes right? sense. But, uh, yeah, no, look, there's been some great work done by other people on this type of thing. Um, Safe Passage is a great book by Corey Shockey, um, great friend of the show, on uh, hegemonic uh, power transfer between the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the U.S. It's fascinating. It's yeah. fascinating. Um, and look, the, the theory, I stumbled across it. Um, the central idea is the stability of the international system requires a single dominant state to articulate and enforce the rules of interaction among the most important members of the system. There can be only one, according to the theory of hegemonic stability. And I think, and I think, I think, and the reason why I bring this up is because I think COVID-19 is going to add a new chapter to the historical record aspect of this, uh, of this snapshot. 
So do you want to go through some of these examples under the historical record? You'll be more familiar. I, I, I will. You'll be more familiar than I will be. I'm extremely familiar with these because these are these have been described in. You might have ripped off some shows, but that's all right. Um, so when we're talking about uh, some examples, so the Portuguese. Uh, well, I, I suppose they were a bit of an empire at the time, but Portugal's dominance uh, in navigation um, uh, was was upended, really, I guess, by by Spanish. Um, and then we go uh, the Dutch. Yeah, so, you, so you had Portugal in the fourteen hundreds, fifteen hundreds, and oh, they were I guess they were they, they were the single hegemon, and then yeah. along came Spain, conflict, and then Spain was 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 there yeah. going on. So and then we talk about Holland, you know, uh, which is now within the Netherlands. Um, in the and oh man, you you have to use smaller font, man, because uh, uh, the users don't like the listeners don't like me using my glasses because they said I was too good looking last time. <laughs> uh, Holland, 1580 to 1588, um, and then you see uh, William of Orange's uh, arrival in England, uh, Dutch control of of credit and money, really, um, and then uh, the hegemonic pretender was England, and you, we, that's where we have. Uh, these private military companies like the Dutch East Indies Company, yes, exactly. East Indies Company, um, exactly. And then we go, uh, Britain, which was is somewhere. I think it's in it's <laughs> somewhere. Um, 1688 to 1792, and then you have the um, the Napoleonic Wars, right? Um, now British textiles and command of the high seas, uh, and then you have France come along, um, and you know this is where the Brits then talk about the Ballad Trafalgar and old mate he lost his uh, who who died and he got a big statue up in some square in the UK. I remember his name; it's not that important. Um, and then Britain again, eighteen fifteen through to nineteen fourteen, and this is really interesting because um, and yeah, Corey Shockey talks about it in Safe Passage, um, but you know. It, British industrial supremacy at the time was driving a powerhouse economy, but then you have an industrialising Europe, uh, railroads, you have an industrialising US and just the amount of natural resources that are being accessed, uh, new resources with the opening up of the frontier. And then you have Germany make the biggest play, uh, well, what we thought at the time was the biggest play. Um, and you, you have a conflict like the First World War, which is where that tension between who is going to be that hegemonic power within Europe and then, yeah. then we have probably one of the, you know, we could say the, the most um, significant hegemonic power transfers uh, since the Romans finally uh, defeated Carthage uh, in the Punic Wars is the United States from 1945 to 1971, largely based on their fuel internal combustion engine. Uh, and they were competing, or the pretender as we've got it here, the hegemonic pretender. That's a great name. I think I can use that as a handle on my, my online channel. Cool. I'm cool. the hegemonic pretender. Um, the USSR, which uh, of course everyone knows is now known as the nation of Tasmania. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> Russia, sorry. Um, so, you know, what, we, what we're seeing here is, is one really strong um, hegemonic power and and the bipolar aspect of it comes along with the pretender i'm not going to use your analogy that you used three four years ago yeah, uh, yeah. but hegemonic power transfer occurs in different ways very rarely is it peaceful yeah rarely. and and this is this has just got me thinking you know where are we now we are in the state where no one knows who the hegemonic power is at the moment um, no, because COVID. if they are who everyone was assuming it are, they're a country that's let 100,000 people die of COVID. So COVID has uh, made a lot of people ask a lot of interesting questions about their grand strategy. But look, that was a slight tangent about the theory of hegemonic stability, but Man, I, I love it. very relevant. Hegemonic, very relevant. Hegemonic stability, you called it? See, I love it. I love, I love it. And I love the word hegemonic. I love the word, I love the word hegemony. Okay. Hegemonic. So, hegemonic podcast. Let's uh, let's finish up by let's finish up by looking at two countries, and I'm going to ask you. And this this our listeners on YouTube are asking some amazing questions um, and bringing up some really good points. And we're going to look at um, Jesus. They never shut up. We're going to look at America, and we're going to look at China, and we're going to look at what is their grand strategy. I, I can't see either from here. So um, America, starting with America. So I really enjoyed Hal Brand's book as discussed before. And in his book, he describes the grand strategies of America. Um, and he talks about how George Bush Jr., perhaps his strategy was too grand. Okay, just to set a bit of context. Perhaps when he was uh, the president, it was too grand. Uh, he was bringing democracy to Iraq, 
all the things that happened under his command, um, you know, perhaps it was too grand for what he was trying to achieve. And then he talks about, I believe it was Clinton um, who quoted and said that he doesn't believe in having a strategy because you simply have to deal with the cards that you are dealt at that time. Um, and that is the application of the policies and going forward from there. So I really like the two contrasts that he kind of brings up. One was trying to do too much. One just kind of dealt with it as you go forward. Um, and uh, it ties very much into an article I read into from chathamhouse.org. And in this article, uh, this author argues... Can't talk about it. Tell me. Oh, that's, so rules. that's so good. That's Chatham so good. Rules. You have to stop that's talking. So um, he talks about how it's actually not possible for a US president within a democracy to have a grand strategy. The reason why, and he gives examples, he says Bush was a neoconservative and wasn't able to actually have a grand strategy. And he talks about how Obama, if you added up all of his policies that he implemented, there was no coherency towards a strategy. It was just dealing with the stuff that he had in front of him. And the realities of, of operations, the realities of the world means that a strategy cannot be formulated. You just have to deal with the policy and the operations that will, if you tie them together, look like some sort of strategic outlook Keep and then he talks about and try and steer steer you know build the airplane in flight exactly exactly and he talks about some things that have changed in america that means you cannot have a strategy and mostly it's about the threat the threat has certainly changed we're talking about non-state uh actors we're talking about the globalization of terrorism uh many many domestic security concerns so many things that disintegrates the focus of applying a strategy can only be solved by the application of multiple, 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 multiple policies, which I thought is a very, yeah. very and, interesting. And, and you kind of end up building that aeroplane in flight and then realise you've built a boat. Right. And then to the contrary of this, uh, an, an article from aspiestrategist.org.au, right, argues that in fact, if you, if, if you ignore Make America Great Again, well, not, not even ignore it. If you say, okay, his goal was to make America great again, and you look at the policies that Trump has actually implemented, you could argue, you could make an argument that he's actually doing pretty well at what he said he was going to do. A couple of examples. Um, just, just, just listen to the examples. Just an example. So it talks about how America declined globally, you know, because of its far-reaching foreign policies, ongoing conflict in the Middle East under Bush, okay? And during this time... China grew substantially, notably, they say in this article, under the Obama administration. And it looks like that Trump has managed to maneuver America back from some of its decline. You know, he has rolled back America's international overreach by avoiding faraway conflicts and focusing on more domestic issues. He's demanding that allies pay more of their fair share for their defense, you know, um, utilizing some of the nuclear power defenses that America has, by one example. He is pushing the containment of China, noting that no administration before has pushed this. They've allowed China to grow. But Trump has described China as America's economic foe, end quote. Um, and he's used tariffs to try to put America back in control of economic relationships. And he notes that it's the most significant military buildup that America has had since World War II. Now, perhaps... Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say that one way or the other that Trump is doing an amazing job, but if you add up all of the policies that Trump has implemented in isolation, don't worry about how he implemented them, don't worry about his tweets and all that sort of stuff, you could put an argument together that, hey, his strategy of make America great again is actually, no, you know, coming to fruition. His current, the, the current situation in his country, he's losing 100,000 people to a preventable crisis. Right. Yeah. Uh, he, he promised that he would... Build the economic strength of the rust build up again, and he hasn't. He's increased automation of jobs in that area. Look, I, I, uh, I, I love that you've put a lot of Trump in this one, but I'm going to say to Brahma Chalani, who wrote this, and he looks far more qualified than I am to make an assessment. <laughs> but I disagree, and and one of the reasons I disagree is this guy who wrote this article is an anti-China pundit. Um, make America great again was a slogan. It wasn't a bloody strategy. Let's be yeah. honest. No, no. Look, let's be honest. But um. Is it Trump or is it the people who are trying to right the ship? And look, you will, you will, I, I'm not going to give an opinion because there are millions of opinions out there. <laughs> you said read it for yourself. But, you know, I, 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 I came up with an amazing analogy. Uh, you might have heard it before. If you want to make an omelette, you need to break some eggs. Radio. But if you break too many eggs... Hey, that's awesome. Make, that's an awesome... If you break too many eggs, you can't make an omelette. 
right? So I, I think that's oh, that sort of described. <laughs> I have to break the eggs to make the omelette, but if I break them, I can't you make, can't make an omelette. That's right. If you break too many, you can't make it. Anyway, I'm getting hungry now. Um, but look, the this I also I'm, got eggs at the shops too. When I was looking about America's Grand Strategy, I stumbled across Hal Brand's uh, a recent book from Hal Brand um, called American Grand Strategy in the Age of Trump. And I haven't read it. Um, it's on my to-read list. And so many questions there, we won't even go through them. Um, but a whole bunch of questions, very, pretty much around the topic of what we're talking about. Is Trump doing the right thing? Is Trump doing the wrong thing? So what and so forth going on. So it's, um, it's very, very interesting. Now, let's flip it. Let's look at China, okay? Um, China, very, very different to what we spoke about before. Uh, in an article from Forbes.com, they describe China's grand strategy as linking technology to economy and expanding their country, their nation, by commerce. And I think we've seen that. Two of the initiatives that are spoken about is President Xi Jinping's uh, Belt Road Initiative, BRA. Uh, and this is a multi-trillion dollar initiative aimed across Asia, Middle East, Africa, and Europe. And this is about developing a comprehensive trade network for specifically Chinese goods, which are going to build China into this economic powerhouse. Added to this is also their ongoing acquisitions and investments in state-owned enterprise. Such projects as Made in China 2025 uh, is moving away from China, producing low-quality traditionally Chinese things that you would say, right, into high-quality, high-tech, high-value necessity items. And to be honest, they're almost like they're already there in a lot of areas, right? Because they started making the stuff that, you know, when people wanted hardware to be cheap, they started making the hardware cheap. And now people want better gear. They're ramping up the quality and they're still maintaining the, the grip on the market. Right. And it's, China's strategy has been about utilizing their maths. Their, sorry, their maths. Utilizing their mass. And, and to, to be produce, honest, maths. Is, and the maths. Okay, in the maths. But utilizing their mass to produce goods at such a rapid rate, at such a low cost, to fill the void to bring them out of economic decline. You know, they, they were uh, really behind and now they're getting ahead. And then this is going to be their next step, right? Um, and so what is their strategy? Well, if you look at this article that I found uh, from yeah, Warren Rocks. Tom Warren Rocks, yeah. Good from last year. Um, he talks about a speech that was made by Xi Jinping in uh, October of 2017. And I'll, and I'll read this out. I just want to, before that, I just want to thank you yeah. for putting us on the Chinese Communist Party's radar now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the algorithms yeah. are definitely going to pick it up. Absolutely. Um, just You're so welcome. everyone knows, I'm, I'm, I'm pacifist. But so the Chinese nation has stood up, grown rich, and it's becoming strong. He articulated a new era with the historic mission to, quote, realize the Chinese dream of national rejuvenation, end quote. For its implementation, Xi laid out a timeline with three major target dates. Now, I'm going to go through these dates now. I want you to think. One side, you've got Make America Great Again. On this side, you've got this. By the party centenary in 2021, China should, quote, finish building a moderately prosperous society in all respects. By 2035, China should be much stronger economically and technologically, having become a global leader in innovation and having completed its military modernization. And by the People's Republic of China's centenary in 2049, China should have resolved the Taiwan question and be a strong country with world-class forces. Party leadership is crucial to the realization of this Chinese dream, insisted Xi Jinping. Now, this to me, he is describing things with dates that are that 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 is the vision going forward for China. Yeah, it seems and, like and that Chinese dream, that just that that catchphrase there, that has just really put that Katy Perry song "Teenage Dream" back in my head. <laughs> um, but, but you know, uh, it's, it's strategy being formed in a very different culture. But it is. It, but, but look, which one? Which one feels more like a strategy, right? Yeah. Right. Which is the which is the hedgehog? Which is the fox, right? Yeah. Really, really, a really astute point. And look, you know, the, the the easy part of me just goes, well, look at China. You know, when you have this political system that allows decisions to be made this uh, what so we're doing. easily, this is what we're doing. Oh, we're doing. Oh, you don't we're like doing. it? Oh, well, sorry. We're doing it. We're doing okay. it. And they've shown from an economic perspective, uh, it's done well from a humanitarian perspective, 
probably has not done too well, right? That's right. That's right. However, <laughs> not, not I, so well. Let's say not so well, and uh, leave it at that because you've already flagged us on the on right, yeah. Jaicom's um, radar. So, but I came across a really good uh, academic piece. Um, it was under this study that that I had a chance to go to a working group. Uh, under the title Foundations National Power in the Asia Pacific. Um, oh. I, met, I met one of the editors, Ashley J. Tellis, uh, an amazing academic, um, brought together some amazing people. And this uh, lady wrote about China. And she called her piece, China's National Power, a colossus with iron or clay feet. Mm. Now, this is, it's, it's a great article that talks about, hey, there is no doubt that China is a colossus, no doubt whatsoever. But the clay feet that she describes is their political system, communism, a political system which stifles creativity, which has questionable humanitarian rights violations, and which has a repressive leadership style, yep. is actually keeping the ability to reach their full potential down. And according to her, they, they've reached it now. They cannot go further unless they allow some more liberal thought and liberal guidance to go within their government. So whilst they've had successes getting to that, where they are, they will never meet their full potential because they, their political system doesn't allow them to do it. Which is basically the creative freedom to explore. Exactly, exactly. A fascinating, so, fascinating read. Where your strategy is hindering, like a key part of your strategy, which is maintenance of the communist political um, hegemony within the country. Um, I don't know if you can have a hegemony within the country, but we do now. Um, isn't it fascinating? Like one of the key cornerstones of your grand strategy is, is, is preventing you from realizing the outcome or the goal exactly. of that strategy. Exactly. Uh, I mean, that, is, that is a fascinating you've done so much preparation i should read the show notes you should read the show notes. you should absolutely read the show notes so look um so that's that's pretty much where we wanted to talk about grand strategy and and before i throw over to you mick for some final thoughts um the the journey that led us to this conversation and i have thoroughly enjoyed it is that COVID has forced many things upon us uh one is there's been a proliferation of podcasts around the world <laughs> including this one yeah. uh Number six in Cyprus, no big deal, right? Um, but, but, but what what COVID has done has forced countries, as we said before, to stop and really take note of what they're doing on a global scale and what they're doing on a global scale. Are people asking them, their government, yeah. like questions they, they don't do? normally do. Like, do you really need to be spending resources on that whilst I'm losing my job? Exactly, exactly. Um, those resources may have been spent on that as part of the grand strategy prior to COVID. Right. Now, and, now people are asking these questions. And COVID is not in isolation. COVID has hit during a time where we are in a multipolar world where the hegemonic uh, nation or state is not decided. And there is tension for influence and there's tension for power in there. And COVID has just gone, boom, hit the reset button on everyone. Now we need to restock and take priorities of what we want to do. And once we reconnect, once COVID is over, it's going to be a connection in a very yeah, different, yeah, yeah, very different yeah, way. Yeah, it's, it's it's almost that Captain Phillips scene. I'm the captain now. <laughs> I'm the captain now. It's Captain Phillips, but it is like uh, people are like nations are redefining what they expect the relationship to be, and they're doing everything they can now. It's not uh, all right. We get a vaccine for COVID. Uh, coming out of it. Oh, where were you? Oh, that's right. We're competing over this particular part exactly. of the Asia Pacific. Exactly. Um, and even the smaller nations in the Asia Pacific are having a lot more. Um, let's say flex, uh, they're having a lot more flex. That makes lots of good England. Um, but they're flexing a little bit more. They're closing off their borders and they're saying, hey, this, right. this is going and I, and I read an, I read an observation. Um, while the world is surrounded by superpower, superpowers in a multipolar world, the world is also focused on who is doing really well during this COVID crisis, and that is the middle powers. Yeah. Uh, middle powers are actually doing quite well. So yeah, does that change how a multipolar world exists now whether you call it strategy whether you call it grand strategy whether you call it policy whether you call it culture whether you think policy leads strategy or strategy leads policy misery um, loves company everything is going to be looked through a very different prism now and that's why we wanted to talk about grand strategy mick final thoughts my final thoughts Oh, I really do need to get some tea bags and some eggs. No, look, uh, my, my, and I do not have a grand strategy. Look, I think grand strategy is fascinating. It is one of the most fascinating and frustrating subjects to study. Uh, and it always reminds me of the, the historian's dilemma, right? Um, so, you know, fools who don't read, uh, people who don't read history are uh, destined to repeat it. 
people who study history are destined to watch other people repeat it. Um, it's kind of like that with strategy, right? Once you study strategy, once you understand kind of the, the concepts of strategy, and by understand, that doesn't mean competence in execution of those, um, those elements. I'm saying you understand what a strategy could look like and then you have to sit back and unless you're, unless you're in, a, in a key position, but you sit back and you watch the failure of grand strategy time after time after time or just the misapplication or non-application of strategy, um, it can be quite frustrating. So it is actually something worth understanding though. Don't avoid it uh, unless you just don't want to be frustrated. You just want to bumble along in life. But it's worth understanding because it might actually contextualize for you the difficulties that actually come with strategy formulation, strategy uh, execution, strategy achievement, right? Because the formulation part is, is, is really, really difficult, but it's the execution part that you just can't, you've got so many variables that you can't predict, unpredictable variables, um, bouncing off things. And one of the things we haven't talked about tonight, uh, and I'd love to do an episode on it, uh, Andrew Carr, uh, he was a lecturer of ours before, um, young academic, he talks about temporal effects of, on strategy. And it's, it's, it's the when, it's the, it's the ways, ends, means, and it's the, it's the when in the ways um, yeah. and, and, and how you can use that. Uh, and, you know, talking about this concept that, you know, people are always about increasing tempo in military strategy, but you know, grand strategy is about timing, uh, a bit mm-hmm. like a boxer. You pick your timing. Uh, or if you're Mike Tyson, you just punch the, the other guy. In the face. In the face. Everyone's, <laughs> got, a, everyone's got a grand strategy until they get until punched, punched in the face. face. Thank you, Mike Tyson. I'm, Mike sure Tyson. He's, I'm sure he's listening right now. Until you get COVID in the face. <laughs> so there you have it. That is our take on grand strategy. And we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Um, thank you to the Lens of History. Thank you for Josh. Thank you uh, for MJDC82 and everyone uh, who has been on YouTube uh, and, uh, and commenting and questioning. It's fascinating. I love it. Um, and it's great to engage with everyone. Mick, do you want to talk about our social media? Yeah, I'm just harassing everyone on the chat. You uh, really are. You really are. Yeah, so we'll talk about the social medias. All right, ladies and gents, as you know, we do have a Facebook page. It is facebook.com uh, backslash uh, War for Idiots or just go into the search bar on your Facebook uh, app or website and type in War for Idiots. Like it, please. We need more people to like us because... We are extremely popular in the podcast charts, but we need more people to like us on social media because then other people can find us, add us to their podcast channels. And you know that we're on every podcast channel you can find. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Overcast. We're on all of them. So if you've got a favorite podcast app and you can't find us, one, how are you listening to this? And two, contact me and I'll tell you, I think Deezer might be the only one we're not on, but I've... I'll get us on there. Um, with our individual Twitter pages, you can find Richie at Richie underscore triple T. And you can find myself at Mick underscore Cook. And you will find us both on there generally attacking each other. But uh, I will try and attack you if I, if I get a chance. It'll be nice. Have a nice little flame war on Twitter. Uh, I don't use the term flame war anymore. Um, but please, if you want to follow the show and the progress of the show, it's probably easier just to follow the show's Twitter account, which is at war numeral four idiots. Um, and please, 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 please tell your friends because you know what? We are pretty popular now and it would be a shame for your friends not to be cool. <laughs> Leave us a review, share this episode and keep the support coming. It's why we do it. It's why we love it. Four and, and a half uh, stars on iTunes. There's not too many podcasts that can boast that. So four and a half stars on iTunes. That's right. That's right. Make it five people. So until next time, this is Rich. And this is Mick. And remember that we may be idiots. But so are you. And you. Especially that guy. I'm going to mute you. War for Idiots is a TDP production. All opinions expressed by individuals on the podcast are those of the individual and not necessarily representative of any other organisation. The music used during Wolf Idiots is Fireworks by Jazar and is used under an attribution share alike 3.0 international licence.